This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 107, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, September the 25th. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 107, and I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, today's episodes are Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, September the 25th. Um, so let's just jump right into the episode. Um, this past week, as with many of the past weeks, uh, actually I'm recording this story on September the 29th. Uh, this is actually, uh, the, my son is now one month old. He's joining us on the podcast because he's in my arms and he's fussing a little bit, so he's going to be making a little bit of noise in the background. Um, as a result of being a new father, I just haven't had a lot of time to read as many comics as I used to, so fans of the show who are used to me reading 20 to 30 books and then talking about them were be a little disappointed. I was able to get 10 comics read. Oh man. And so I'll be talking about uh, 10 books fairly quickly. Uh, the first book that we have this week is Aquaman 23.2, uh, the, the focus on Ocean Master. Uh, this was actually pretty good. Um, I enjoyed this quite a lot. I don't know what I was expecting, but uh, the 23.1 was a focus on Black Manta, and I may have a focus on Ocean Master in the point two of Aquaman, and it was actually a really, really well-written issue, um, a very different Actually, maybe not that different from the Black Manta story, but just interesting to see how the two characters who um, are both, you know, Aquaman's kind of biggest foes right now, um, in diff- very different ways, how he's handled in the New 52 in his own kind of spotlight issue. Obviously, he's been the focus of a recent storyline in Throne of Atlantis, but now we get to see a little bit more focus on him specifically, and just him and uh, from his own point of view. Uh, so this issue is co-written by Jeff Johns and Tony Bedard, who, well, not co-written, sorry, they did the plot together. Uh, Tony Bedard then supplies the words, so the scripting, and then Geraldo Borges does the pencils, and I'm not aware of his work, but uh, he does a very good job. Um, the, the script is extremely strong. I was really impressed um, by the work here. I just thought it was a, Tony Bedard did a really great job of really getting inside uh, Ocean Master's mind and kind of understanding what makes him tick and he's a scary guy and it's not trying to show as this you know guy who's usually villain as a bit of a hero uh, he's definitely not a hero and this issue makes it that quite clear that he's not a hero in any way shape or form uh, he's quite he is quite definitely a villain um, he gets uh, you know during the big breakout that happens in Forever Evil number one he gets out of prison and he uh, has his own kind of decisions on what to do next. And once he gets to the water, um, he has some kind of interactions on the way. And he definitely proves himself to not be a hero. Um, he's an interesting character. This was a really good spotlight. I've never heard of this artist before, but he does a great job. Uh, the, the script by Bedard is quite good. And you can tell it's a, it's a half of a Jeff Johns plot. This is quite enjoyable. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, next up is Avengers number 20. Uh, this is yet another tie-in to Infinity, which is you know keeps rolling on. Um, if you are reading Infinity, or, sorry, if you're not reading Infinity but have thought about reading Infinity, really the three main books you need to read are Avengers, uh, New Avengers, and Infinity, because those are the ones that are really going to matter. Um, there's a lot of tie-ins, but those are the ones that really impact the story more. Um, to use, and I've mentioned this in the show many times in the past, to use a, an onslaught model. Uh, these issues would be the phase issues, and then everything else would be the impact issue. Uh, they're impacted by the event, but they don't necessarily form and shape the event. Um, 
this is a, yet another strong issue. Uh, Hickman um, is just really on top of things. Lionel Francis Yu provides the artwork in this issue. Um, it's it's a really well illustrated book. We get to uh, see a little bit more about what's going on with the captive Avengers uh, who finally get to escape uh, from captivity. Um, I like I like seeing more focus on the Avengers because obviously in the main Infinity book there's a lot more of the kind of the macro. We're seeing the, the big pieces, but that means the rank and file Avengers we're not really getting a chance to see. So that's a little bit more of what the focus is here. Uh, at times the, the the work by Francis Yu is quite different than what I'm expecting and what I'm used to from him, but I think part of that is based on the inker and also the colorist who's doing his work here. There's certain uh, panels that look very much like classic Lionel Francis Yu, and there's some others where I'm like, is that a different artist? Uh, sorry, my cat's in the background making a racket as well, so I have both a baby and a and a cat making some random sounds. Um, but overall, this was quite a strong new chapter for Avengers, and uh, I gave it a 9 out of 10. It was extremely well done, and um, remains one of the best books on the stands. Uh, that brings us to Batman 23.4. Uh, this is yet another of the Villains Month issues. I'm, you know, they weren't all bad, but I am looking forward to actually seeing storylines progress again instead of just having these these kind of weird villains-centric uh, issues. Uh, so this is Batman 23.4 uh, with the focus on Bane. Um, I'm, I'm really torn here. I was really excited about this issue because the art is by Graham Nolan, and Graham Nolan is the original creator of Bane, um, and Peter J. Tomasi was writing it. So I love Tomasi. I like Graham Nolan, especially when he originally produced Bane. So I was really excited to see what he came up with. I was really disappointed by the artwork by Tomasi. So not sorry, by Nolan. I just found it wasn't nearly up to his where he was 20 years ago. And I would have thought his artwork would have, you know, maybe evolved and refined itself. Instead, it just felt like Bane looked small. He didn't look intimidating. I hate the current costume for him. It's terrible. Um, only the, really the top of his face, you know, just the mask looks anything the way he used to. Everything else just kind of looks dumb. And I don't know. I just I'm not a big fan of the design. Um, Tomasi's script left a lot to be desired. I just, I felt very turned off and cold on the character. And I knew that he was on his way, you know, to fight the Court of Owls because I've been reading some of the issues of Talon, not all of them, obviously, recently. Um, and so I was just disappointed, um, how, how this issue was handled. And I, Tomasi is a brilliant writer, one of my, like, favorite DC writers these days. And yet this was disappointing and not very entertaining. Um, I give it a 4 out of 10. I just I found that there wasn't a lot here for me. I found the art um, nowhere near the skill level that I would have expected from Graham Nolan. Um, it, it was just it was lackluster. It was a letdown. And um, yeah, it just didn't give me a lot to really sink my teeth into. Next up is Detective Comics 23.4. Uh, this issue has the focus on Man Bat. Now, if you haven't been following... Detective Comics and reading the, I believe it's been Detective Comics, reading the Man Bat kind of backups, um, this isn't going to make a, that much sense to you. If you have, then it's a really nice uh, continuation of the storyline, as Kirk Langstrom is, his focus is on trying to hunt down and find his, uh, basically his wife, who has taken a version of the Man Bat serum and is, you know, hunting people. Uh, Frank Thierry wrote this with pencils by Scott Eden. That's actually quite a high pedigree team, personally. Uh, and they do a great job on this and really showing a descent into madness as uh, Kirk Langstrom does his best to apprehend his, his, his spouse 
uh, using a modified version of his and her formulas put together. And then he decides he's going to become this hero because Batman's disappeared during Forever Evil. However, uh, not everything is stable. And as the as the thing goes on, we see the progression. Right? Each day he goes, he starts to lose a little bit more of himself until he's become basically a monster. And uh, suddenly he's taking out cops and he's becoming more the villain and not just a hero. Um, it's fantastic. This is really well done. Scott Eden is a great choice for the art here. He does a like a really bang up job. Thierry is the perfect writer for this kind of story. He really nails uh, what they're trying to go for here, and I just, I really enjoyed this. I give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, I would definitely read it again. Um, this was just immensely entertaining. Uh, so that's four books down. To, uh, two more, I guess so far we've talked about three DC books, one Marvel book. Uh, so next up is Infinity Heist number one. Um, I thought this would be a lot different, on a lot better, and it just felt very disappointing uh, especially based on the creative team I was expecting something a little bit more enjoyable unfortunately we got this book um, so you know this is this is the type of tie-in that has nothing to do with infinity really it just happens to take place on in the world of infinity but back on earth um, Frank Thierry wrote this one as well with artwork by El Baron Huevo um, this is far and away not the best script I've ever read from Frank Terry. It's it's all right. It's kind of fun, but the artwork is I just didn't like it at all. Um, you have Blizzard and Whirlwind deciding they're going to make this score, and then they end up getting involved in a in a whole other thing as they're being kind of brought in to uh, take on an even bigger heist. Um, I just found this isn't a real Infinity tie-in. This is just opportunistic kind of storytelling to to try and get more money out of the consumer by giving them a story that theoretically is connected to the big crossover event but really isn't um i'm not a big fan of the art uh this is far and away not the best uh, tra script i've ever read um i just found myself really cold certain some of the beats in here reminded me of superior foes of spider-man and that's not book i'm not really enjoying all that much because of how it kind of uh, make some of the characters look like idiots instead of making them look like actual people who just have chosen a life of crime. Instead, it just kind of paints them in a certain brush, and I didn't appreciate that. And that's kind of why, the way I felt here as well. So I give it a 5 out of 10. Uh, next up is Justice League 23.4. This is a focus on the Secret Society. This was actually really, really good. Um, I gave this an 8 out of 10. I uh, wasn't sure if I should go higher or not. It's a focus on the outsider who's Alfred Pennyworth, and the cover really has nothing to do with anything in the issue, though, except for Alfred being on it. That's about it. Really, it's about his origin and what happened back on the home planet and how Thomas uh, Thomas Wayne became Owlman. Uh, what's interesting here is that they definitely go with the idea that uh, he is the same Thomas that we know from the Court of Owls and the Night of Owls storyline. However, he survived, and Bruce basically isn't around. He's going up against the Joker. Um, he's dealing with you know the death of his Robin. It's just it's very interesting to see the parallels and what uh, choices are made to kind of drive these parallels home. Um, I'm excited. Ex this one is probably the the most um, sensible tie-in to Forever Evil because you're actually looking at a character who features in that storyline, at least in getting things started. So. Um, that kind of made me excited there. Jeff Johns and Sterling Gate wrote this together, so it's no surprise that it was a little bit stronger. Uh, I worked by, I guess, Simon 
Kudransky. I'm not really that all familiar with his artwork. He does a serviceable job. At times, it's a little inconsistent. It's not quite the uh, illustrations you would expect from this book, especially given its importance to the overall storyline and fleshing out the outsider character. That being said, it was still quite entertaining. Um, it definitely left some questions open, and at times, it was like, well, who's this? Okay, who's that? Okay. Uh, it took me a minute to kind of wrap my mind around some stuff, but... Um, yeah, this was pretty good. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, not quite as enjoyable was Justice League of America uh, 7.4, which is the Black Adam focus. I gave it a 7 out of 10. It wasn't bad. It just, I expected a little bit more. Um, uh, there's obvious allusions to pre-New 52 continuity that, uh, I mean, they don't really need to be here, but they work them in anyway. You have this idea of seeing originally how uh, Black Adam was protecting the people of Kondak way back when, who he who protected them against. Um, this issue is written, uh, co-plotted by Jeff Johns and Sterling Gates yet again, a script by Sterling Gates, and then Edgar Salazar does the uh, the pencils. Um, obviously, this kind of picks up from where we last saw Black Adam. You have these characters, Adriana and Amon, who, if you know anything about pre-New 52, uh, DC continuity, that is the, uh, the identities of... Uh, Oh, Isis and uh, well, I'm on really, but um, I think it was uh, Osiris. Yeah, so, so it's the identities of Osiris and Isis, but who they are in the New Fifty Two and how they're evolved and how some bad things happen to Amon uh, yet again because he's kind of destined to. And Black Adam is re, you know, re brought back forth into the universe uh, to protect uh, Kandak. Um, it's interesting, it just wasn't quite what I would have been expecting. Uh, I do like that it kind of builds up this idea that Black Adam is going to be taking on the uh, CSA, because he doesn't think this world belongs to anyone, and especially no one's going to take contact from him. Um, it's, it's, it's a good issue, it's not my favorite issue of the week, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Next up is Scarlet Spider. Uh, this is issue number 22. This was, uh, pretty entertaining, um... I really like the artwork here. It's definitely a different style than the last issue, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a different thing. Uh, so you have Scarlet Spider versus uh, Craven. Uh, unfortunately, obviously, this book is is heading towards cancellation, so that's really unfortunate. Artwork is uh, shared amongst three different uh, illustrators. It's Baldian, Olief, Pat Olief, and Randy Green, with Chris Yost and Eric Burnham uh, sharing writing chores. Um, this was an entertaining book broken down into a few different components. You have uh, Kane dealing with the fact that he thought he was dead and then he's going up against Craven. You have um, Aracely and Anna Craven off as well. There's a lot of questions about you know mortality um, and how Kane and, and uh, Craven Hunter are bonded because of how Craven was even originally resurrected. Um, this was really entertaining. It's I like that this has kind of been something that's been seeded through since Kane really has come back. The idea of there being a connection between him and Craven, and seeing Craven back again because he's kind of been in and out this book. Uh, seeing them actually throw down in the final kind of major storyline is entertaining. Um, it'll be sad to see this series go though. I gave it an eight out of ten. I like the artwork, even though you had three different artists. I thought there was a remarkable amount of consistency despite having three different artists working on it, which you would think would make it more artistically inconsistent. Um, second last book that I'm going to look at is Superior Spider-Man Team-Up, which I gave, 
This is issue number three, and I gave it a three out of ten. It's terrible. It's not worth reading. It's an Infinity tie-in, but not even a good one and not one that feels like a real tie-in at all. Uh, it's basically there's an invasion on Earth, and we haven't even seen a lot of that in the sorry, in the Infinity ongoing, but we see it in a bunch of these tie-ins, and I just don't care. Like, First of all, why would you even bother launching this book? They launched this book. The first issue is pretty strong. The second issue is part of a, uh, a crossover with Scarlet Spider, which kind of detracts from telling its own story. Considering the issue is the series just started, you can't even really maintain a sense of what this book is even going to be. And then issue three, the regular writer's off, the regular artist is off, and you have Robert Roddy writing, who I don't know that well enough to really say anything about his writing, and Michael Del Mundo on art, and I can't stand the artwork, it's terrible, the story just feels derivative, and uh, it takes a long time to get to the point. Um... It tries to, I guess, be too clever, and I just, I found it, it was very disengaging. Um, I just, I found myself incredibly bored. Uh, I gave it a 3 out of 10. Uh, let's see, next up is, let's see. Uh, you know, I just realized it's possible that one of the ratings, when I write them down in the liner notes, um, like the, the show notes, when you check it, it might not quite equal what I said in the show, because I realized I may have made a qu one error, but I'm not sure on which issue it was exactly. But anyways, on Superior Spider-Man Team Up number 3, I gave it a 3 out of 10. And that brings us to our last book, which is Nova number 8. Um, this was actually really good. I don't even know why I'm surprised at this point, but uh, I am, and it was it was quite entertaining. Um, I'm enjoying this creative team that's currently on it, even though they're about to leave. Um, there's a remarkable amount of consistency between this and what Ed McGinnis was doing. I mean, it's very different, but it's also, there's something about it that kind of makes it similar. Uh, Zeb Wells wrote this with artwork by Paco Medina. Um, you have Thanos kind of making some decisions about, about Nova. You have a little bit of an idea of something happened in the past with Richard Ryder and how Thanos feels about that. Uh, Thanos looks great, by the way, by Medina. Uh, we like to just how he was portrayed. Um, this was, again, yet another entertaining book. Uh, although, I gotta say, I was really disappointed that you have two classic New Warriors show up, Speedball and Justice, and yet they look like five-year-olds. Like The artwork is good when it's no bug because he should look like a child, but the other characters should be like mid-twenties. Like They've been around. They've done things. They've grown up. I mean, Penis went... Um, Speedball went through whole, the whole Penance thing, so... It should have been a little bit more intriguing that way. And it should just look a little bit better. Uh, I am excited to see about this uh, this character that's going to go up against Nova. Um, she definitely seems like a messed up character. And I'm excited to kind of see how they develop her. Uh, I believe her name is... Um, call, it's like Call Something. or I'm just kind of flipping through the issue and I can't quite see her name. Uh, oh yeah, Lydia Caldera. Um, but I enjoyed this quite a lot. The artwork by Medina was really well suited to this book and the visual kind of um, sensibility that was established by Ed McGinnis. And it kind of, you know, it doesn't feel like it's really been a major change at all, which is nice. Because when you're reading these issues and you have changing creative teams, the worst thing you can have happen is that it seems really jarring when this change happens. But if a change happens and you can tell it's a different artist, but it feels relatively the same stylistically then that's what you're shooting for really and it succeeds on that level so i gave it an 8 out of 10 so that's our 10 books that's five marvel five dc now the following books i did not get a chance to read or review they include 
A plus X number 12, Action Comics 23.4 with a focus on Metallo, Adventures of Superman number 5, Avengers Assemble number 19, Batman and Robin 23.4 with a focus on Killer Croc, Batman Superman number 3.1 which is the focus on Doomsday, Batman the Dark Knight 23.4 with a focus on Joker's Daughter, Deadpool 17, East of West number 6, FF number 12, Guardian, uh, sorry, Green Lantern 23.4, Sinestro, Guardians of the Galaxy number 6, Injustice Gods Among Us number 9, Punisher Trial of Punisher number 1, Saga number 14, Superman 23.4, Parasite, Tom Strong and the Planet of Peril number 3, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man 27, Uncanny Avengers 12, Unwritten number 53, Wake number 4, Wolverine and X-Men 36, Wonder Woman number 23.2, which is the focus on the uh, Firstborn, and then Young Avengers number 10. Uh, so those were all the books I didn't get a chance to read, but I did get a chance to read and review those 10 books I started the episode with. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, you can always email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or uh, post on the HC Realms threads that we put up for each and every episode. Um, I Once again, thank you for uh, you know what, listening to this episode. This has been episode 107, focus on the comic review, sorry, comics released uh, the week of September the 25th. Um, I just want to do a quick uh, look ahead to the coming week. Um, so in the coming week the following books will be making their release and I'll tell you one well not all of them but I'm going to tell you some particular highlights that I'm excited about or looking forward to or think that there should be some attention drawn to them so they include the following uh they include um let's see uh Star Wars number 2 um, I'm not reading these because just because I'm waiting for the eventual trade because I can get all six issues in one trade paperback. But I am really excited about reading this when it does come out. Um, upcoming releases include Batman Odyssey trade paperback. You have a reissue of the Court of Owls book, um, but it comes with a mask for the Court of Owls, which is kind of creepy but cool. You have Action Comics 24, Detective Comics 24, which has a good storyline that I'm really excited about seeing the next chapter of. And I'm loving the five black artwork. Uh, Earth 2 number 16. I think this might be the last issue with James Robinson. They're finally putting the first um, the first collection or, of Earth 2 coming out in trade, finally. It's taken far too long to get to this point. Uh, also, if you want to buy the hardcover of the second volume, you can do that. Uh, it's also coming out this week. Forever Evil number 2. That's the big kind of DC release that's coming up. You also have Green Arrow, Green Lantern issues coming up. You have a, a new deluxe edition of JLA Earth 2, which just makes sense because obviously it reintroduced in the uh, you know uh, current continuity at that time, uh, DC continuity, it reintroduced the idea of there being an Earth 2 or at least a CSA and an evil Justice League out there. Um, considering the you know, who's the main villain in Forever Evil number 2, or sorry, Forever Evil in general, it makes sense why they would kind of reissue this. Um, and then on the image side, you have Blackacre number 11. Uh, you have a bunch of other books, including Mara number 6, etc. Uh, then at Marvel, you have All New X-Men number 17, continuing the Battle of the Atom. You have the All New X-Men special, which I briefly talked about in episode uh, 108, which is coming up in a few days, and what that I did with Paul Scores. Personally, I'm not going to be picking that up. I'm not really that interested in it. I might read someone else's copy, but I'm not paying money for it. Um, the Fantastic Four by Hickman Omnibus gets its first volume coming out this week, which is really cool. You also have a reprinting of the original Fantastic Four Omnibus by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Uh, you have a volume two 
reprinting coming out in a few months. So if you're interested in the, the first 60 or so issues of Fantastic Four by Stanley and Jack Kirby, that's the omnibus to pick up, or one of those on a buy you should pick up. Um, also, we have Infinity Hunt number two, which I actually haven't read any of those chapters, or the first chapter, so I might want to give that a shot. Iron Man number 16. You have the new uh, new launch of a new Marvel Knights Spider-Man number one. Uh, you have the second issue of Mighty Avengers, which I still haven't read the first issue of. You have Savage Wolverine number nine, and Superior Foes of Spider-Man number four. And then you have, uh, they're continuing the Thorbo Walt Simonson uh, reprinting in shape paperback format. I have the giant Omnibuy of the entire run, so I'll never need those. But uh, for those who missed out on the Omnibuy or they don't want such a big, unwieldy uh, hardcover volume, these uh, new trade paperbacks are the way to go. They're replacing the old Thor, um, Thor Visionaries by Walt Simonson. Sorry, Thor Visionaries by uh, Walt Simonson volumes that they used to have. And then you also have uh, Thunderbolts and uh, the What If AVX trade paperback coming out. I'm actually considering buying this, um, but it's a little expensive considering the original. Like I think it's almost more expensive than the original singles, which kind of bothers me. Uh, and then you have a trade paperback coming out for Wolverine. It's the Blood Wedding trade paperback, collecting I believe it's in the neighborhood of issues 122 to like 132. Basically, if you have the uh, Wolverine Not Dead Yet arc, it's the basically the collection that comes right after it, but it's about 10 or 11 issues, including some Lionel Francis Hughes stuff with Chris Claremont where Wolverine marries Viper. So, yeah, good stuff. Um, and actually, speaking of trade, just because I'm super excited, obviously, for trade. I'm a big fan of trade paperbacks. Um, I love getting news from my bookshelf uh, each and every, you know, not every week, but like some week, some months obviously are are heavier than others, and you're going to have more stuff come out. Um, I'm just going to take a quick look. I'm looking at bbsworld.com. I'm just going to take a quick look at the stuff that's not coming out this week, which would be, I guess, the 2nd of October, but instead on the 9th of October. Um, the only reason, I'm more going to spotlight trades that are coming out, because that's what I'm more interested in at this, at this moment. I'll mention the comics that are coming out next week in next week's podcast. Um so in, in 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 terms of the trades coming out, you have the Batman hardcover volume three, Death of the Family, which is a big storyline. You also finally have the second trade paperback from the Scott Snyder, uh, Greg Capullo artwork, uh, sorry storyline, which is the Court of Owls, sorry City of Owls, because Court of Owls was the first uh, storyline in the first uh, trade. Um, you also next week have uh, let's see here. I'm just going through a list here. I apologize for my my meandering uh, well in terms of single issues there is a new issue Manhattan Projects next week although it's one of the non-Patara Nick Patara issues so I'm less excited um, but next week you also have again this is all on the 9th you have a new reprinting of the Kree Skull War from Avengers which is exciting for those who haven't read it and or don't own it this is a really good chance to have a, a nice new volume of it uh, you have the Iron Man Armored Vengeance uh, trade paperback which covers I believe Iron Man 258.1.2.3.4 um, I don't think it really fits where they want it to it's supposed to take in the middle of Armor Wars 2 but when I read it it didn't really do a good job of fitting in and it was by totally different creators because Armor Wars 2 was by uh, uh, John Byrne and uh, the Ramita, uh, Ramitas Jr but then you have Michelini and Layton doing the new volume it said in the other story it's just an odd choice um, you also have Thanos Risings coming out in trade paperback, Thor God of Thunder, Premier Hardcover Volume 2, God Bomb, and you have the X-Men Storm by Warren Ellis and Ted Do- Terry Dodson coming up. 
um, over the past few weeks. There's been a lot of other trades coming out as well that I'm excited about, including the Wolverine Return of Weapon X trade paperback, which is a, the basically the entire Frank Thierry uh, run on Wolverine, which is quite impressive that it's all coming out in trade. Uh, for those who listened to the old, uh, not old, but the previous episode we've done in the past where we looked at favorite Wolverine stories, I think one of my favorite stories in that episode was um, that um, Return of uh, Weapon X storyline uh, by Frank Terry. It was just so good, and the artwork by Sean Chen was just absolutely fantastic. I'd already been a fan of uh, Sean Chen for his work on Iron Man at that point in time, and then his his Wolverine stuff was just brilliant. Anyways, that is our episode. So as I said previously, before I went on this tirade, or this uh, you know long, protracted uh, uh, tangent, this has been episode 107, the comic reviews for the week of September 25th releases episode. I've been your host, Adam Chapman. I hope to see you next, or hope you download our next show. Uh, 108 will be a, a spotlight on the all new Marvel Now with my guest Paul Scores, um, and then issue. Sorry, next week we'll have episode 109 being our next comic reviews episode, and we may or may not have a, a special kind of event episode because. Uh, I've been lucky in getting Paul to do episodes on Sunday nights, but next Sunday I will be at a live comedy show. I'll be at uh, the Greg Proop show. Um, he's coming to Toronto, and I've been excited about this for months. Um, I was hoping he would announce a, um, a stopover in Toronto, so he'll be doing two shows at the Comedy Bar in Toronto. Uh, and the second show, well, the first show was just his stand-up, and the second one is actually his podcast, The Smartest Man in the World. And if you don't listen to that podcast, you really should give it a shot. It's uh, really, really enjoyable. Um, you have to be okay with some risque language, I'll put it that way, but uh, he's an interesting guy. He speaks his mind, and he just kind of talks to a crowd and about you know social issues and things that are important to him, and he tells a lot of interesting anecdotes, and I'm excited about that. But because I'm going to that show next Sunday on the 6th, that... Uh, Usually would be when I would have a chance to sit down with Paul, as he usually drops by after playing hockey near my house, and uh, unfortunately it won't be next week. So we may not have a special kind of non-reviews episode next week, but we'll see what happens. Anyways, thanks for joining me, and um, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.